This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. Welcome to Voices of Your Village. This is episode number 38. This is another episode of Village Chatter. So the last time I did Village Chatter, it was Tiny Humans, Big Emotions, and I got so many questions about coping, specifically about coping, that I decided to do its own Village Chatter episode. In fact, when I do Tiny Humans Big Emotions groups, this is generally one of the biggest themes is that a lot of kids are struggling with what to do with their emotions once they have them. They might know that they feel mad or sad or frustrated or disappointed, but what to do with your emotion after that is a whole different ballgame. Oftentimes we are supporting kids with coping mechanisms, specifically in infancy and toddlerhood. Coping mechanisms are things that might help their body feel calm again so they can solve the problem, but they're not necessarily something that we want them to take with them through the rest of life. A coping strategies toolbox is what we want to build for kids to tap into for the rest of their life. So I like to think if a kid was 25 and in a meeting or 47 and in a conflict with a partner, how are they going to find their calm again in order to solve the problem? It's likely not a pacifier or a lovey, and these are awesome tools for infancy, great coping mechanisms to start out with, and then how do we move out of that? How do we move from coping mechanisms into coping strategies? In today's Village Chatter, we dive into all of these things. What are coping mechanisms? What are coping strategies? And how do we move from one to the other? I also want to note that I got a lot of questions specifically about pacifiers when I put this out. So I reached out to an SLP, a speech language pathologist, and have another episode coming for you in a few weeks specifically on pacifiers and oral motor development in speech and language, because there were a lot of questions I didn't have the answer to there. I could speak to pacifiers and emotional development, but there were a lot of questions that I received specifically about oral motor development in pacifiers. So I have another episode coming soon for you guys on that. 
Can you do me a favor? If you're tuning in today, can you take a screenshot of this and share it? Guys, the best way for us to all raise emotionally intelligent humans is if we get more people doing this. And I don't believe that people are walking around saying, I don't want my child to be emotionally intelligent. I think that we just need to have resources and tools for people to do so. And Voices of Your Village podcast is here to be one of those resources where we can bring experts in the field in to support parents and teachers and caregivers in the trenches. So take a screenshot, share it, tell a friend, pass it along. You can tag seed.and.so, S-E-W, on Instagram. Uh, you can tag us on Facebook. And let me see where you're tuning in from and share it with all your friends and family. All right, guys. Let's raise some emotionally intelligent humans. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, welcome to Voices of Your Village. This is another episode of Village Chatter. Today is all about coping strategies. So here's the thing. We often use the term coping mechanism, and I think that... We don't really know what that means. I know I definitely did not until I started diving into this research and really what we want to be doing for coping versus what some of us are doing for coping. So I'm going to dive in kind of full force here about what I learned about coping. And it's that coping mechanisms are different than coping strategies. So coping mechanisms are things that we might be doing to help us work through something or to make us not feel what we're feeling, but it's not necessarily what we want to be doing. I'm going to give you some examples of like what as adults we might do as coping mechanisms. We might scroll through social media when we're having a feeling. We might start texting random people or people we know. Uh, We might have a drink, might wait for that glass of wine or use a substance. We might exercise excessively. We might start working extra. We might compulsively clean or check and make sure things are safe in a way that we convince ourselves is for health and safety. We might start playing video games. We might go shopping. We might eat. We might take care of someone. So all of these are like, okay, that's fine, right? Like, obviously, we go to work. It's okay to have a drink. It's healthy to exercise. Cleaning is a necessity. Eating, we have to do that. Taking care of other people, let's get real. We're all doing that all the time. But it's when we do this to try and make ourselves feel better about something, that's what we kind of want to avoid. They're almost like non-conscious habits. So what do coping strategies look like? 
I think of coping strategies in two ways. One is preventative and one is reactionary. So there are some things that we do to help keep us in like a healthy mindset. And those are also fall into the coping strategies toolbox. This might be like a meditative practice or going to therapy, going for a walk or hiking in the woods or turning to prayer, maybe cooking or sewing or breath work, exercise, alone time, visual or writing arts expression, musical expression, reading, organizing things, talking to a friend or a loved one. There are a number of things that we do here that we can use preventatively that can help keep us in a healthy mind frame, that can help keep endorphins pumping. But it's when we start to use these things excessively or if we start to kind of obsess over them, that's when they can move out of our coping strategies toolbox into like a coping mechanism. So now that we have like a rough idea about what coping mechanisms and coping strategies are, and we'll dive in more to this as we go, I want to share with you the five phases of emotion processing that Lauren Stobel and I created. Lauren is my co-creator of the SEP method, and she and I are writing the book together on the SEP method to share with all of you. And she she's a brilliant woman who I have had the privilege of collaborating with through research and our work together. And as we were reading research and creating our method, we developed five phases of emotion processing that everyone's going through when they process emotions. So I'm going to walk you through these bad boys. So the first step is just allowing yourself to express or allowing a tiny human to express. This is just letting the tantrum happen or letting yourself cry, letting yourself feel. This is something that down the road we often stifle at like work or in social events where we just try and hold back tears. How many of you have used that expression? I know I sure have. Just last night, somebody texted me and said, I've been holding back tears as I've been watching the Kavanaugh hearing, but thinking of you. And my response to her was, don't hold back those tears. (laughs) Thank you for thinking of me, but please don't hold back the tears. We have to let ourselves express and feel first. And then, without trying to fix it, just letting ourselves feel. And then we pair vocabulary with it. So this might be, personally, it might just be figuring out, like, what am I feeling? Am I sad? Am I mad? Am I disappointed? Am I scared? Am I excited? Am I happy? Am I nervous? And with the tiny humans as well. I'll often pair an emotion for them. I know there's a lot of discussion and controversy around this. of like, what if we say that they're mad, but really they're sad? I've had kids correct me once they get older when I say, oh, it sounds like you're mad. I've had kids say, no, I'm sad. (laughs) Okay, sorry. They'll let you know when they get older, but I think it's really important for our younger ones, our infant toddler kiddos, to be giving them this emotion vocabulary so that they're hearing these emotions. And then eventually we want them to be able to identify them on their own, to know what mad feels like in their body and to know what disappointment feels like and embarrassment. And uh, of course, we don't really want them to know, but realistically in life, we know they're going to know and we want them to learn what what it feels like so then they know what to do with it. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. 
Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for me, Labine, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online, you can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash voices. I'm Margaret. And I'm Amy. And together we host the podcast, What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. Margaret, I would say you're sort of a where are my keys kind of mom. Correct. Sometimes a where are my kids kind of mom. (laughs) Well, you're Amy more of a, we were supposed to leave 35 seconds ago, Mom. I mean, touche. In each episode of What Fresh Hell, we come at a topic from our usually completely opposite perspectives. I bring the research. And I bring kind of the gimlet eye. Like, is that research really going to work, people? And almost 10 million downloads later, we're still laughing. We also talk to experts in the parenting field, plus parents with stories we can all learn from. We make each other laugh, we challenge each other's assumptions, and we have what we think is the best parenting community on the internet. Check out What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood wherever you listen to podcasts. So the third step is security. And this is a deeper level of emotional intelligence. This is the ability to really feel secure in what you're feeling because you know that it's on a continuum of emotions. What you're feeling right now is like clouds in the sky and this one is overhead, but it won't be there forever. It will pass. This is where down the road, if someone's stuck in a feeling, this is where we're seeing like anxiety or depression or when you... You can't see beyond this feeling and it, it just it becomes all consuming. So our goal here is to provide tiny humans with the notion that this is just one feeling and it won't last forever and they will feel other things. Once you have that security, it's easier to let yourself feel. Coping is the fourth one and that's what brought us here today. I think this is the most mis phase in emotion processing. I think oftentimes we let kids feel something and we might even pair vocabulary with it, telling them, I hear that you're mad. And then we often jump ahead to problem solving and trying to solve their problem. And what I really want to do is slow down, let them be in that feeling, even when it's uncomfortable for us, even when it's inconvenient for us and building those coping strategies so that they develop the tools to get out of the feeling. It's one thing to know, yeah, I feel sad, and it's a whole different ballgame to know, okay, what do I do with that? How do I not wind up in bed for days? How do I not sob all over the place? How do I not yell and scream at someone because I'm angry? 
How do I not throw something or hit them because I'm angry? What do I do with feelings of shame and guilt? It's one thing to know what you're feeling, and it's a whole different ball game to know what to do with those feelings. This is where coping comes in. This is where the rubber meets the road, I feel like my dad would say. My goal for tiny humans, and for me, this starts in infancy, is to help them develop. At first, I would say I I really use coping mechanisms for a lot of kiddos, and then I want to move to coping strategies. So what that means for me in terms of tiny humans is I think like, I think about it as if they were at work one day and they got mad, what tools would they have in their toolbox to turn to, to deal with that anger? So if when they get mad, we give them a pacifier, they're not building their toolbox for what to do when they don't have that pacifier anymore. This is where down the road we can see kids really hitting, kicking, biting, bullying, saying rude things, doing rude things, because they never developed the toolbox for what to do with that feeling. Let me get something straight here. I am not anti-pacifier. I think they can be a great tool, specifically in infancy, as a coping mechanism for kids to suckle and to have something to help their body feel calm. My goal, though, is that by 18 months... They're not using a pacifier to help them feel calm anymore. But they have other tools in their toolbox to pull from when they have a hard feeling. So I'll hit up step number five real quick, and then we'll dive into some of this. Step number five is conflict resolution or moving on. This is where we are problem solving and where we are working with kiddos to find a solution or help them find a solution but we shouldn't be getting there until they have really processed the emotion, until they're in a rational brain and able to problem solve with us. If they're still in their amygdala brain, we're not ready to problem solve. For me, this is like if kids are whining, if kids are still crying at me, because it does feel like they're crying at me sometimes, if they're still yelling or crying or expressing their emotion, we are, we have not gone through the coping. We still need to do work before we solve the problem. Even if I know I can very quickly solve their problem, I'm not going to. It's not in their best interest if I do. All right, so let's dive into some coping questions. I got a lot of questions about pacifiers and lovies and blankets. And first of all, I think they are great coping mechanisms. Notice that I said coping mechanisms here because down the road, they won't be using a pacifier or a lovey or a blanket to help them find their calm. So these are things that they're going to use. These are tools they're going to use right now to help them find their calm. And then we're going to help them move out of that by building coping strategies that are long-term so that they can process their emotion. Because here's the thing, guys, we often talk about social emotional development But really, we're talking about social development most of the time. We're saying we want kind humans. We want respectful humans. We want empathetic humans. And believe me, I agree. I also want kind, respectful humans. But they have to learn how to process their own emotions. They have to know what it feels like to feel that feeling. They have to know this is what sad feels like in my body. And here's how I move through it. 
in order to bring themselves as a social being to somebody else in a kind, respectful, empathetic manner. If they are sitting with a pile of emotions right on their heart that they can't work through, it's really hard to show up for somebody else. So it's got to start here, folks. Have you ever gone through the day where you just have this lingering emotion? I was teaching in a classroom with a sweet friend of mine, colleague, whom I love so dearly, and she was just being kind of rude, to be honest. She was snippy. She was short. I kept racking my brain for like, what did I do? What is going on? Like, why is she angry with me? I can't think of anything that I did. And I'm going around in circles. And finally, I just said to her, like, hey, what's going on? I feel like you're being rude to me. And she paused and she was like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I got in a fight with my partner last night and that's just been on my heart. Like I am carrying that with me. We have all been there. We've all been there where we have carried an emotion for far too long and now we're taking it out on somebody else. Here's the thing. We do it to our tiny humans and they do it to us. This is why if we can focus on building this emotional development and building these emotion processing tools so that they can work through their emotions, then we're not talking to a tiny human who has a million emotions sitting on their heart that they haven't worked through. We're not talking to a tiny human who is feeling sad from something that happened at preschool today. We're not talking to a tiny human who is feeling mad because they didn't get what they wanted for breakfast, even though it's dinner now. We're talking to a tiny human who has processed those emotions so that they can show up fully, and that is a beautiful gift. So how do we build coping strategies? Well, I will start by identifying an emotion, allowing those kiddos to express and validating where they are and what they might be feeling. I hear that you're sad. Your mom left for work, and you really wanted to keep hanging out with her. And then I pause, and I let them feel that and take that in. Because sometimes we overload them with information and it's just too much to process. Then, after a pause, I ask them, I wonder what could help your body feel happy. And I pause. And if they don't have these tools in their toolbox yet, then I'll offer up two things. Would you like a hug? Or would you like to go read? If they don't respond to either of those, then I will say, I'll give you some space. Let me know if I can help your body feel happy. What we're doing here is letting them know that there's another feeling that exists, happy, that they don't have to feel sad, that they don't have to get stuck in sadness. And then I'm encouraging them to tap into some coping strategies, reading a book, taking space, asking for a hug. When we're consistent in doing this, and let me tell you, consistency is key, then they will build these coping strategies. They will learn What helps them feel calm or feel happy? I really love the word calm. I use it a lot. You'll hear it a lot. I don't know, man. I just think of it as a thing that I want to feel a lot of times. And sometimes I'm not really going for happiness. Sure, like happiness is a great feeling, but sometimes I'm just like, I just want to feel calm again, right? Like I don't want to feel like I'm in this state of disarray. So it's a word that I use a lot. One tool that I love for this are the Todd Parr's feelings flashcards. You can get them on Amazon. Just FYI, there's no frustrated card and there is a mean card, which we don't use uh, when we're talking about the set method because mean isn't a feeling. You might 
act in a mean way because you're having a feeling. You might be feeling mad, so you do something mean, or you might be feeling sad, so you say something mean, but mean isn't a feeling. So we pull out that card. I actually just start with some basics, and you can kind of navigate what what works for you, but I like to break it down to about five emotions and stick with some, some basic ones there. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. The first five that I use with kiddos that I try to identify are happy, sad, mad, scared, and calm. Then I'll add in excited, and then it just kind of grows from there. But I want it to be something that they, that's not too big and intense for them, and something that I, I understand that like mad has different things with it, right? Like you might actually be disappointed or you might be feeling guilty or you might be feeling embarrassed or whatever. Uh, and we'll build those later, but it's a lot to throw at kids right away. So with infant toddler, I stick with some basic ones and then we kind of add to them as we go. But Todd Parr's feelings flashcards have one emotion on one side and then the opposite on the other. So if sad was on one side, happy would be on the other. And I love this because I can show them the sad side and then flip it over and ask them what they could do to help their body feel happy again. It's something tangible for them. And then they can go and grab the card on their own. We had some kids who would carry around the flashcards for their feeling. And I love that. This, again, just lets them know like they're not going to feel this way forever and triggers the like, hmm, how can I help my body feel that way? If we're not afraid of getting stuck in a feeling, it's easier to be at peace with the emotion that we have at that moment. So I'm going to provide two options for coping for a little while. Another thing that I love is it. So if your kiddo is in like a coping mechanism field right now, if they're using a lovey, a blankie, a pacifier, anything that's like just something they can go grab to help their body feel calm, that's fine. It's awesome that they have something so that they're not getting stuck in the feeling and that can help them move through it. I would just be starting to work on, if your kiddo's over 18 months, I'd be starting to work on these coping strategies. Honestly, I'd start it before then, but it's got to be paired with language development too. They go hand in hand. So when we're making this shift, we do it gradually. I would never suggest doing cold turkey because can you imagine like if a pacifier 
helps you feel calm and it's what you know that helps you feel calm and all of a sudden it's just gone and you have no other tools, that would be terrifying. And so I don't want to do that to a tiny human. Instead, what I'll do is let them turn to their pacifier for a minute until it like calms them immediately. And then I will say, all right, can I have your pacifier? And then I can help them feel calm. Or I might even like switch them out. So pacifier for me is different than like a lovey or a blanket because it affects the oral motor development. Uh, We have an episode coming up uh, specifically on pacifiers because I get so many questions about them. Uh, And I interviewed an SLP, a speech language pathologist, to dive into this, to talk about the oral motor development and the effect that pacifiers can have on speech and language. Because I had a lot of questions that were coming in from you, and then I also had personally that I didn't have the answers to. So I turned to another expert in our field, and she was really helpful, and that episode's coming out pretty soon. But I would try and move kids away from pacifiers and into the lovey game so that they at least have something they can like hold in their hands while they're developing another tool that isn't affecting their ability to talk back to you, to communicate with you through this and isn't affecting their oral motor development. So do it gradually. I would be building these coping strategies and offering things like a hug or space or reading or arts expression if you are open to like a place they could go draw while they feel calm or to just build with Legos for a minute. Some things that they can just turn to and do to help their body feel calm. I would be using the emotion flashcards during this as well. And then another thing that I have used that I absolutely love is a feelings board. So I will give you an example. I took, we had a little girl who loved pacifier and she was having a really hard time processing emotions and would get her pacifier. But then once it was out of her mouth, she was still in a tough spot, which started to show us that the pacifier wasn't helping her fully processed. So we created this board for her. I literally, guys, it was nothing fancy. I took like an old box, like an Amazon box and cut a piece of it. So I had a piece of cardboard to work with and I put two strips of Velcro on there. And then I took pictures of her with different things. So I took a picture of her with her lovey. I took a picture of her getting a hug from a teacher. I took a picture of her drinking her water. I took a picture of her reading her book. And we just made these like, I printed them and laminated them and Velcroed them and put them on this board so that she, when she was having a hard feeling, I would just hand the board to her and say, I hear that you're so mad. How can you help your body feel calm? Would you like a hug? And I would point to the hug picture. Or would you like to find your lovey? And I would point to the lovey picture. And so she could tell us what it was she wanted. And it gave her the tools to communicate and like work through these. And it was another tangible thing for her to go grab. And then we just made it accessible for her. And within a few weeks, she was using it very freely and on her own. And she would bring us a picture of like her lovey. And I would say, oh, you want your lovey? Hmm, can you help me find it? And we would go on a hunt for it and we'd go look for it. And it like empowered her to feel like she could communicate with us about her needs and what could help her feel calm. So 
I think that using something like that, again, it doesn't have to be anything crazy fancy, but just giving them something to communicate. And sometimes it's enough for kiddos if you're just using language and saying, oh, would you like your lovey or a book? And then they could go, we, you could like go do that together and find it. If I could give younger Alyssa one tool that I didn't get until my 20s, it would be coping strategies. They are invaluable. So often we find ourselves getting through the day and the emotions add up and then we're like, oh, by five o'clock I am done. And then the tiny humans are challenging because we're done. We haven't processed our emotions all day long. We were just trying to survive them. And now we have to manage our tiny humans emotions who maybe also weren't processing them all day long and ends up in this giant explosion and... I'm just here to tell you, it does not have to be that way. It can be so much easier. And I think coping strategies are the key to raising tiny humans who can process their emotions. So here are some things that are really important to me personally when it comes to coping. And this is how I know tiny humans are not ready to problem solve. If they are yelling or kicking or crying or screaming or hitting or whining, they are not ready to problem solve. So even if they whined at me that they can't get their shoes off, I'm not going to go take their shoes off. Instead, I'm going to say, I can't understand that voice. And I might point to my ear here. I can't understand that voice. I would love to help you when you're ready. How could you help your body feel calm so that you could talk to me? We all need these reminders sometimes. We can all get whiny and cranky and bratty and rude and sassy. And I think it's a beautiful gift when somebody slows us down and says, Hey, I'm not going to let you talk to me like this. It's essentially the message that we're sending them. But really what we're doing is helping them process that emotion. They're feeling frustrated. They can't get their shoes off. And if we just jump in and solve their problem, they did not have to work through the frustration. In those little moments, learning to work through that frustration or that anger or that sadness, any hard feelings in the little moments make the big moments easier to tap into those skills. I feel like this episode might have a bunch of questions. So I am going to open up a post on Instagram at seed.and.sew for you to pop over and throw your questions at me, participate. I'm also going to open up the table on the Facebook group, Seed and Sew colon Voices of Your Village. Come on in and join our group. You can throw questions at me. You can also, in that group, I mean, the group is literally designed for you to just be able to throw questions at us. It's like if you had my cell phone number, you could just text me. This is the other way to text me. And in this group, there are also experts in the field that I call on all the time who have so graciously said yes to joining this group so that if you ask questions that aren't in my wheelhouse, they're there to answer them. We have SLPs, we have OTs, we have chiropractors, we have a whole bunch of experts there for you. So fire questions into that group. Also, you guys, this is so crazy, but Seed is turning one year old. 
guys were having our first birthday. And oh, we're on the gram. And on that Facebook group, I'm going to be announcing a fun giveaway to celebrate our birthday because celebrations are my favorite. Maybe one day I'll tell you about my first birthday that I had when I was dating Zach and how he learned that celebrations are my favorite. He certainly learned. So head on over to Instagram or to that Facebook group and stay tuned because we have an announcement coming next week for our first birthday. Thanks for being on this journey, guys. Can't wait to see you on social media. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at voicesofyourvillage.com. Did you know that we have a special community for all of you to be a part of so that we can all gather together to raise emotionally intelligent humans? Head on over to Facebook, search Seed and Sow colon Voices of Your Village and dive into that Facebook group. We cannot wait to hang out with you and collaborate on raising these tiny humans. If you're digging this podcast, head on over to Apple Podcasts, scroll down, click those stars and leave a review. It really fills my heart to hear from all of you. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a no guilt mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Guilt Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows.